The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Your representative offering securities and advisory services through Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satara is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satara Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is a marketing assistant of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and is associated with Terra Advisor Networks, LLC. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. (laughs) Welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show. Making Money Sense and in studio with us today. We are happy and excited to have Dina Arnett once again. Good morning, Dina. Good morning. Good to see you. How oh, are you? Good to see you. Well, it's uh, you know, it's pretty good day today so far. You know, not so Excellent. bad. Excellent. All so right. Bad. All right. Well, I'm happy to be here. Um, Larry is out taking some much deserved time off, but I just got a text message from him, and he said to be sure and remind our listeners that we have a seminar, a webinar, coming up on June 15th. That's just around the corner. Make sure yeah, you sign well, up and I can't, you know, I, I, it stunned me for a minute because I'm like, wow, it really is June. Five months of the year are gone. Um, don't know where they went, but they're gone. It is <laughs> starting over. Here we go. Yeah. It's it's June third, and we are putting together. We're going to have a very very interesting webinar on June fifteenth. Be a lot of fun. It's it, it's on beneficiary IRA and estate planning. So. We back in the day when we um, when we used to give the live in person seminars pre COVID, you know, in the time before, we would talk about how to set up your beneficiary designations so that your heirs could enact what we called the stretch IRA. Well. Tax, tax laws changed and the stretch IRA went away and that changed how we do beneficiary planning. So Larry is bringing on two practicing attorneys who specialize in estate planning and we're going to have a webinar with these two women, Mary Lawrence and Mark, Molly Garrett, and they're going to explain beneficiary planning under the new rules, and they will be available to take questions. Um, it's going to be a great program. It's it's a new program for us, so I want to make sure our audience, our listeners know about this. It's June 15th. We've got two sessions that day. We've got one at noon, and then we've got another at six o'clock in the evening if you can't make the, make the one in, at lunchtime. Um, these times are Eastern time zones. So if you happen to be on the West Coast or in Mountain Time or um, even Central Time, adjust adjust the time accordingly. It's 12 o'clock Eastern and 6 p.m. Eastern on June 15th. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's an exciting webinar. We've never done this before, so this is a unique no. sort of twist. 
So it, yes, it's going to be a lot of great information, and it's it's good information to have. You, it, we all need to to understand the implications of leaving retirement plans to our our heirs, to charities, um, and we're going to have a lot of uh, a lot of education on that on June 15th. Some of the cool things about that webinar is that you can participate as well. If you've got questions or you you know have concerns about your particular portfolio, you can always just ask those questions live right there on the webinar and he'll answer them for you. So that's kind of neat. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. You know, every time I come on the show, Chris, it's it's a slow news week. And this <laughs> this week has been a slow news week as well. Okay. Not is that, is that saying something? <laughs> what does that Not, mean? Not. <laughs> um, it seems like every time I, I come on the show, there's been some monumental thing that happened in the financial press during the week, and, and this week was no different. Um, I'm sure we all know by now, or maybe not, that Congress reached an agreement uh, to raise the debt ceiling. The president signed it. And because of that, um, because of that very thing, the markets were very, very euphoric yesterday. The Dow was up 700 points. I, I, I'm pretty sure, Chris, that may have been the Dow's best day all year. I think so. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. That right. was it. Yep, that was a two percent increase in the in the blue chip index. Um, the Dow is now up almost two percent for the year. The S and P likewise rallied. It was up one and a half percent. So um, the S and P is actually up eleven and a half percent for the first five months of twenty twenty three. And the Nasdaq, of course, the big winner this year, even before yesterday, the Nasdaq was up about a percent. The tech heavy index is up a whopping 26.5% for the first five months of 2023, recovering a whole lot of what last year took away. That's an optimistic the, look at things from, uh, I guess, from from a end user point of view or an end, end investor point of view, if you will. Yes. You know, when, when inflation became a really big factor in the markets last year, tech took the hardest hit. And so this year... As it, as it looks like the Fed is slowing down on their interest rate hikes, um, the, the tech-heavy NASDAQ is, is celebrating that. Um, the 10-year the U.S. Treasury, it also reflects things that are going on in the markets and the economy. And the 10-year Treasury actually dropped. The yield dropped down to 3.67%. That's a decrease this week of 15 basis points. Uh, 15 basis points means 0.15 of a percent. Barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude dropped from 72 and three quarters down to a little over $70 a barrel. And this thing, the VIX, that measures volatility, the VIX actually dropped down to about 15 and a quarter. And the deal with the VIX, the higher the number, the more volatile the market. Mm -hmm. So um, earlier this year when we were having... Um, when, when the Silicon Valley bank crisis was at its at its peak and it was all over the headlines, the VIX actually went up to about double where it where it landed yesterday. So as we get more market clarity, as things get resolved, that debt ceiling being a perfect example, the market settles down a little bit. Yeah. Now, I 
I'm still stuck back on Vicks. I'm sorry. Every time you say that, every time you say that word, I remember the mentholatum stuff that you put on your. <laughs> Oh, yes, the the Vicks Vapo Road. The, the not the Vicks. same thing. Not the same stuff. Nope. Not not even in the ballpark. No, but, you know, it smells just about as good today, right? No, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Anyway, continue. <laughs> Moving forward. <laughs> Did you have too much coffee this morning? I think you did. I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> we we got some some um, interesting and and almost conflicting um, news economic data this week. So every month we get unemployment reports from a number of different sources, and the one that we got yesterday was the May what they call the non farm payrolls report. And the market expectation was that there would be 195,000 jobs added. Well, the, this report just blew that out of the water. Non-farm payrolls surged by 339,000. Oh, wow. Yeah. The, the analyst really missed it on that one. And because of that, Treasury yields moved higher. So when I say Treasury yields have moved higher, what that means is that the price of Treasuries is dropping. And why might a Treasury price drop? Well, people flock to treasuries in times of uncertainty. It is a safe haven, but when people feel a little safer to go back into the market, they sell their treasuries, the prices drop, which means the yield will go up and vice versa, okay? So that yield moved higher, indicating a drop in price, and, and the thought behind that is that that reflects expectations that a strong job market is going to put pressure on the Fed to keep their monetary policy pretty restrictive. Yeah. Now, that's piece one of the U.S. non-farms payroll report. The other piece of that report, and this is where sometimes it's like, whoa, this, this is new math, but Interestingly enough, we saw an uptick in the labor force. We had a rise in the number of 25 to 64 year olds looking for jobs, and that caused an increase in the unemployment rate. Okay, yeah. Yeah, new math. Um, the, the rate was 3.5%, now it's at 37 and what that implies is that these new workers have come into the workforce, but they haven't yet gotten a job. So, payroll surged by 339,000, but the unemployment rate ticked up. Yeah, that's a little counterintuitive, <laughs> but understandable, I guess, given that you explained it the way you did. But, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, if you'd like to dial in and talk to Dina, our phone number is 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. We've got some, uh, somebody standing by to answer your calls, and Dina will answer them and ask, answer your questions today. Yes, yes. So as I mentioned, Congress passed a bill to raise the debt ceiling. They called it the Fiscal Responsibility Act. <laughs> and what it does, without getting too in the weeds on it, it suspends the debt limit through January 1st, 2025. So this Congress, this president won't have to deal with it again. The next administration will. So who, whomever comes into office in, as a result of the next election, they're going to have to deal with this again. <laughs> so I, if I were the president, I'm giving this over to you. Here you go. Congratulations. You're going to deal with this. I'm not going to. 
There you go. Um, there, there is an estimated bit of what we call fiscal drag. And when we talk about fiscal drag, we're talking about the impact of a particular thing on GDP. That's our output, that's our productivity as a country. And the, the fiscal drag from this package is expected to be about 0.2%. Mm. So not good, not bad just is <laughs> small but still important yeah well well it is you get enough of these little small bits of fiscal drag from different places and that can add up to some real downward pressure on gdp yeah yeah so it's important to to understand that don't get too bogged down with it but we need to know that that's there so that's that's the big stuff that happened in the us Fit financial media this week, but there's stuff going on all around the world. China's working on new policies to support their economy. Their economic growth hasn't been the best since they lifted the COVID restrictions in the spring. China, um, they have really high debt loads in their property sector, and that's a real big concern for them because their economy really relies on the property sector heavily for their economic growth. So um, I don't know where all of that might be headed. We, we, keep hearing, um, we keep hearing talk of recession, maybe later this year, maybe early next year. It, it's hard to say. And, and I will say this, Chris, I have clients and, and uh, others ask me every day, are we going into a recession? Because it sounds really scary, right? When we think of recession, we think of 2008 and the global financial crisis, and it feels really ominous. Until I tell you this, recessions are part of a business cycle. The economy is either going to expand or it's going to contract. And when the economy contracts too much, that means recession. So are we going to have a recession? Yes, we are going to have a recession. Just we're going to have many. Gonna we're we're going to have many recessions. Oh, I don't know when the next one starts. I don't know if we're technically in one right now. We may be, or maybe it happens early next year. I don't know, but I don't want our listeners to be fearful of that. Recessions mm. are a normal part of a business cycle. Will we have one? Yes. We will. I don't believe that the next one is going to be a big, horrid, extended downturn. Um, the, the phrasing that we hear from a lot of our Wall Street partners is short and shallow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you saying? No, I, I was going to say, it, and if that's the case, okay, we would be looking at a recession that is, on, on average, a recession lasts about 12 months. So if it's short and shallow, I would expect certainly no longer than the average of 12 months, but maybe maybe less. Yeah, I, I think really when you talk about these recessions and all these up and downs in the economy, you really also have to kind of consider that it's really all about your financial plan, isn't it? I mean, it's really kind of needs to be tested for this and able to be resilient enough to get through some of these things. Absolutely, it does. You know, I, I'm glad you I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because we talk about all of this data. We talk about what the Fed's doing. We talk about what Congress is doing. We talk about mm -hmm. recessions and banking crises and debt ceilings and all this stuff. 
and it can get really overwhelming. It can make you feel really anxious about your financial health. But if you have a financial plan that you have put together that has analyzed your cash flow, your insurance mm -hmm. needs, your income tax situation, your investments, your retirement planning, and your estate planning, that is your track. That is your path. That's your game plan for your financial life. If you've got that financial plan, a lot of this stuff just becomes noise. Yeah. It, if, if, if you have a financial plan and you're monitoring the financial plan, okay? Back in the day, we used to do these financial plans and they would give us this huge printout and it would go in this really pretty <laughs> leather looking binder and it looked really nice on a shelf. Is that when we used to use paper? <laughs> back in the back in the days of paper. <laughs> What's that? Um but people would get these financial plans. They'd sit on the shelf and they'd never look at them again. Mm -hmm. That, that it, it, it's not financial planning. It's not a one-time exercise. It's a living, financial breathing planning, thing, yeah? It's a living, breathing thing. You're exactly right. Yeah. So if you've got a financial plan and you're working with an advisor who is helping you monitor that plan and updating your progress toward your financial goals, all of this stuff that, that we talk about, it really does become noise. As yeah. long as your plan is on track, the debt ceiling, yeah, it's, it's nerve wracking. The, 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 the thought, the mere thought that we could default on our debt, it's terrifying. The implications were awful. I knew that we would not, but there's always the what if in the back of our minds. Yeah, it's always there's always there's always the what if, you know, what if the Fed keeps raising interest rates? What's that going to do? But if you're monitoring your financial plan, it becomes noise gotcha. because these things pass. And one of the neat things about doing a financial plan is you can stress test it. You can stress test that plan for periods of high inflation. You can stress test it for bear markets at certain intervals. You can do all of those things and make sure at any given point in any given year, as you go forward on your financial timeline, you can make sure that you're still on track no matter what the financial media is telling you. Yeah, just don't listen to the noise that much. If you're, if you're really planning well, you're okay. Stick so I'm, I'm off my financial planning soapbox for now. <laughs> hey, listen, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show. Just a quick little snippet coming up here about what you might expect from the upcoming webinar. So make sure that you register. So here we go, 855-767-3123 to talk to Dina Arnett here in studio. We'll be back in just a moment. And we see this a lot. We don't see anybody quarterbacking things. And a lot of times it's the financial advisor right here in the middle that really quarterbacks, you know, coordinates your taxes with the CPA firm, your, your estate planning with the, with the attorney, the insurance. A lot of times financial advisors will do taxes and insurance sometimes together. Um, legacy planning. How do you want to to leave your assets? Remember, your assets when you 
are done and you get relocated, in other words, when you go to heaven, right, you don't take your assets with you, but where are they going to go and how are they going to go? They're going to go to your heirs, to your charities, and sometimes to the IRS. And a lot of people want to minimize the exposure that goes to the IRS. Big, big financial blind spot. Investment strategies, not only today, but maybe for kids or grandkids. How are you going to transfer that information, your lifetime of investing that knowledge to them? Financial planning, multi-generational planning. Oftentimes, we find this as a big blind spot, and it's usually the financial advisor, the, the wealth manager, who is quarterbacking all of these different areas together. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. 855-767-3123 is the phone number to call. 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Dean Arnett. That was Larry as he was kind of giving you a sample of what to expect in the upcoming webinar. looks like... Uh, that was that was great. Yeah. You'll see those I, nice I, little slides and all that little display stuff. It's kind of neat. Yep. That that was that was really great. You know, when when I... When I prep for the radio show, I, I try to prepare information that I think our listeners want to hear. And I try to prep things that perhaps, uh, I try to prep topics that perhaps are misunderstood. Mm -hmm. um, and today, the thing that I want to talk about uh, during our show today is required minimum distributions. RMD, yes. RMDs, because let me tell you what, over the past handful of years, there's been a lot of change to the process of taking RMDs, how long you take them, how they're calculated, who, who takes them, when. It, it's just, it's been overwhelming, all of these changes. And so I, I just want to spend some time today, hopefully, clearing the air on RMDs. So what are they? Well, required minimum distributions are, are the, the government's way of collecting taxes on money that has never, ever before been taxed. So think about your 401k plan. If you're in the public sector, perhaps you have a 403b. If you work for the federal government, you've got a thrift savings plan. If you, during your working years, contributed money to these plans on a pre-tax basis, you received a, a tax deduction in the year that you did it. That was income that was not taxed. And it's been growing all of these years during your career. And at some point, you've got to pay taxes on those dollars. And you're going to pay taxes on the dollars that weren't taxed as income, plus the earnings that they've generated over all of these years. And so the government calls that a required minimum distribution. People ask me all the time, well, why do I have to do this? I don't, I don't want to take this money out. I, I, I don't need to take the money out. I don't want to pay the taxes. Well, the government in its divine benevolence allowed you to defer taxes for all of these years, and now it's time to pay up. So how do we do that? Well, it depends on what your age is. So, for example, in, in the old world, required minimum distributions started in the year that someone turned 70 and a half years old. 
So if you fell under those rules and you started taking required minimum distributions when you turned 70 and a half years old, you're set, that's the system that you're in. Along the way, the age changed to 72. And if you turned 72 before this year, you have to, you're under that system. You started taking required minimum distributions in the year that you turned 72. Starting this year, the age went up to 73. So if you turn 73 in this year or in some future year, that's your required minimum distribution age. But I'm not done. Wait, there's more. For people who will turn 75 in the year 2033 and beyond, your required minimum distribution age is 75. Clear as mud? Well, mud is not clear. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I know, I get it, I get it. I never understood that saying, though. I mean, that's just, but anyway, yeah, I got you. Well, it's sarcasm, Chris. Oh, Drink some more coffee. Sarcasm. Wow, okay. Let me look that up while you continue on. <laughs> so, you know, now that we understand there are different age groups for the RMDs, the required minimum distributions, then we get into how to calculate them. And, and, you know, the IRS, Congress, the people who write these laws, they can't ever make anything easy. So, <laughs> Really? <laughs> no, no, not ever. I realize you find that shocking. Um, to calculate your required minimum distribution, you need two numbers. The first number is the balance of your retirement account on December 31st of the previous year. So that's the first number. And the second number is a factor, a life expectancy factor on what the IRS calls their uniform life expectancy table. You can Google it. They're out there. <laughs> if you turn 73 years old this year and you take your first RMD, you will divide your December 31st last year account balance by 26.5. That's the factor for 73-year-olds. Next year, when you're 74, the factor will go down a little bit. And that factor is going to decrease every single year for the rest of your life. If your account balance stayed exactly the same, no market movement whatsoever, every single year that RMD is going to go up just a little bit. Hmm. Because the factor that you divide by is getting just a little bit smaller. You know, a lot of people might disagree with this, but the reality is the government does have to have some funding, right? I mean, it doesn't necessarily hurt, especially if you plan for it to, you know, give Uncle Sam a little bit of something, something, right? Well, there are ways around it. Uh-oh. In, in fact, there's one big way around it, and it's called a qualified charitable distribution. You can direct all or part of your required minimum distribution to a qualified 501c3 charity and that bit of money will be it will satisfy the requirement that you take money out but you won't pay the taxes and neither will the charity well, that's kind of neat so, well it is if you if you have charitable inclinations if you tithe to your church or you give money to any of of the, the thousands of 501c3 charities out there. This is a neat way 
to stay, stay honest with the IRS and follow their rules, but also support those organizations that you really um, feel led to support. Yeah, so, and they need all the funding they can get to do such good things that they do. So that's, that's a neat way to do that. Yes, yes. But back to the RMDs, you, 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 you want to make sure that as you're approaching the age at which you would have to take those distributions, you want to make sure that you plan for that. Because unless you donate them through a qualified charitable distribution, you're going to owe taxes on that. And, and this is where we start peeling back the layers of the onion, right? Because if you're retired and you're living on social security and you pay Medicare premiums, if you're paying your Medicare Part B premiums, your RMD can push you into the next bracket in terms of the cost of those uh, Medicare Part B premiums. So the planning part of this really needs to happen. That's, that's where having a financial plan and monitoring that financial plan is crucial. We hit different phases of life. We've got our accumulation phase where we're just saving money like mad. We're investing, we're trying to get good returns, we're saving, we're trying to minimize taxes. And then we go to the distribution phase of life. Is that, that different for different people when they make that transition to the distribution phase? Or is it it absolutely, it absolutely okay. is different. It's, it's different for everyone. Um, sometimes you have a pension when you retire. Our federal government clients, they leave the federal government with either a civil service or a FERS pension. Sometimes in the early stages of retirement, that's enough. Don't need to take distributions from all of that money that we've saved over the years. Um, and sometimes when you retire, you do so knowing that the very first month of retirement, you have to start an income stream from these different savings types vehicles, savings type vehicles. Sorry, yeah, but you have to switch, switch those around a little bit, don't you, sometimes? Because they they need a, a little bit of a tweak to be more of an income-based kind of a thing as well, right? Absolutely, absolutely. But the, the point being, doing the financial plan allows you to, to project forward and estimate when you would need to start drawing those funds out. And we can estimate how much that might need to be. So the financial plan helps us plan for retirement, make sure you've got enough money saved in the right places and in the right types of investments. But the financial plan can also help you do this RMD planning and help you understand how that might impact other aspects of your retirement. And one of the big ones that we deal with on the regular is this whole notion of these RMDs impacting the taxability of Social Security and impacting what you pay for your Medicare Part B premiums. And again, the whole point is planning. If you know it ahead of time, you can either okay, okay things as they look or you can make other arrangements, perhaps a qualified charitable distribution, perhaps putting money aside to handle the increased cost of those Part B premiums. It's all gonna, about planning. No, you're going to talk about this also, but the more you can save and not use for income, the more you can actually put in the legacy part of your planning, correct? Where you can give it to your, right. to your kids and your grandkids. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So... There's a lot. There's a lot to 
there's a lot to financial planning. There's a lot to RMDs. Mm -hmm. Now, I've talked basics of RMDs, okay? I've given you the high-level overview. It gets kind of complicated because if you think about it, the year that you hit that magical RMD age, so for anyone who is not yet taking them, your age is 73, okay? Um, some For some, it'll be 75, but let's stay with the age 73 because that's good for the next 10 years. If you turn 73 in this year, you have a special option for the first RMD. You can actually avoid taking that RMD this year. You can take RMD number one as late as April 1 of next year. You can defer it, not pay the taxes on it this year. However, there's a gotcha on that. I, I purposely called it RMD number one because if you defer RMD number one until April 1st of the following year, now you've got to take RMD number one and RMD number two Ouch. in the same tax year. Ouch. Make if your RMDs are substantial, you may not want to do that. Yeah, that's definitely a planning step you want to remember. It's all about the planning. Yeah, amen. amen. Yes. 855-767-3123 is the phone number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show here in just a minute. Stay tuned. Again, that number, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. More with the Larry Rosenthal Show in just a minute. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Get started with your financial plan today at LarryRosenthal.com or call right now for the Financial Planning Toolkit, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. 
Well, welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. We'd love to talk to you today. You can pick up that phone and give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. And also, why don't you register for that upcoming webinar that's going to happen in June? That's going to be kind of neat, isn't it, Dina? It's going to be a great program. This is our first time doing this program. It's on beneficiary, IRA, and estate planning. We're going to have two practicing estate attorneys, Mary Lawrence and Molly Garrett, from Northern Virginia's Schoenbach Family Law Firm. They're going to be presenting some material about how to properly designate beneficiaries on your retirement plans so that your wishes are carried out. They're going to actually take your questions. This is going to be an interactive program with Larry, Larry, Mary, and Molly. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh at that, but it just sounds kind of fun. Yeah. (laughs) Well, no, it was almost a tongue twister for me. So again, this program is on June 15th. We've got two sessions, one at 12 noon, one at 6 p.m., Eastern. Um, If you live in a different time zone, adjust accordingly. But you can go to RosenthalWealthManagement.com, click the Education and Events button at the top of the page. And when you click that button, there's a link for seminars, and that'll take you straight to the registration page. That'll be kind of cool. I'd I'd love to to see you guys there at that webinar. Uh, Don't forget, you can ask your own questions as well. So that'll be kind of fun. Well, and it's an important thing because we've had a number of tax law changes this past handful of years. It used to be that we would recommend clients designate their beneficiaries by name and not list a trust because there were some tax implications of listing a trust as beneficiary under those old rules. Now that the rules have changed, it also can change that recommendation. So we're bringing in the legal experts to talk to us about the what's and wherefores of that, how that works, and how that might or might not be appropriate for you. Mm -hmm. So it's a great program. It's a new one for us. Be sure and register. Yeah, that'll be a neat thing. And make sure that you attend. We'd love to have you there. Yes, absolutely. So before the break, we were talking about required minimum distributions. And I and I started at very high level, talked about the different age groups that are subject to required minimum distributions on their own accounts. But you can also be subject to required minimum distributions on inherited accounts. So if you've lost a loved one, a parent, um, a a sibling, a a non-spouse, it's very important, a non-spouse, okay? If you inherited a retirement plan from someone who was not your spouse, you have to take required minimum distributions on that money. And if you inherited it after the tax laws changed in I think it was 2020, but don't quote me on that. Um, If you inherited after that tax law change, there are two things you need to be aware of. Thing number one, if the person who left the money to you was not yet of RMD age, okay, they had not started taking those required minimum distributions, you do not have to take required minimum distributions on that money but you have only 10 years to leave it in the account. You've got at the end of the 10th year, that account has to be fully liquidated and the taxes paid. So people who are inheriting those accounts that don't require 
the traditional RMDs, they actually may choose to take out a tenth of it a year so that they don't get gigged with a huge tax bill at the end of the tenth year. Make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, you want to avoid those taxes at all costs if you can. Well, sure. you do. Um, and and many times taking out a little bit each year for each of those 10 years is a less painful way from a tax perspective. However, if you inherited a retirement account from a non-spouse and they were of RMD age, they had already started taking those distributions, you have to continue them. Oh. <laughs> That's that. And it took the IRS a bit to clarify the rule on that. Um, in fact, I think the clarification on that rule became effective this year. So again, let's say you had an aunt or an uncle who passed and they left you their old traditional IRA. They were 80 years old. They had been taking these RMDs since they were 70 and a half. You have to keep taking those RMDs and the account must be fully liquidated by the end of the 10th year. I see. Hmm. So if, if this is all sounding very complicated, very complex, very confusing, you're not alone. It is complicated. It is confusing. The IRS, Congress, the people who write these laws, they don't make anything easy. <laughs> well, it's and a good thing that you're employed as a financial planner because we need people like you to kind of, and uh, we need accountants and those folks to, to get through that stuff. I, I'm telling you what, Chris, if I was not in this up to my eyeballs every single day, I wouldn't even know where to start. Mm -hmm. Because not only are the rules complex and multifaceted, uh, coming from every angle, they change the rules all the time. <laughs> change the playing field for us. Doug. Well, they do. You you get used to a certain set of rules. You know, ever since I started in this industry in 1998, we talked about stretch IRA, and then yeah, that was we, you know we've talked about that for 20 something years, and then they changed the rules. They moved the goalposts. So it, it really is, it, it can be challenging to keep up with all that stuff. That's why I think it is critical for everyone to have a financial plan. Whether you have a little bit of money, whether you have all the money in the world, a financial plan is going to help identify these decision points for you so that you can plan for them instead of reacting to them. You know, I and hear I think that, that all the time. I, I hear people say, you know, I don't really need a financial planner. I don't have a lot of money to invest. It's not, you know, the, only the rich, rich, rich people need financial planners. I say, I completely disagree. I too, too. That's you've got to have somebody to help you through all these different landmines and minefields. And and to advise. Okay, yeah. so you know, maybe you don't have a lot of money. That means every dollar is even more important. So when, when you have finite resources, you, you want to, you want to have a mechanism for determining how those resources are, are deployed in the here and now and later down the road. All of us have financial goals. All of us have things that we want to accomplish that take, that, that takes money. So, Rather than react to circumstances in life as they pop up, 
I truly believe planning for those things, planning for those eventualities is not only a, a better way to do it, but it's also, it's just comforting to know, hey, I've got a plan for my RMDs. I know roughly what they should be when I hit RMD age. I know that I've got somebody backing me up who's going to remind me to take them because, by the way, if you don't, there's a 25% penalty. Oh, my goodness. Now, that's a reduction. The penalty used to be 50%. Mm. Yeah. Well, if you, in, in the old days, if you didn't take an RMD for whatever reason. You were in trouble. Yeah. You, the IRS was going to come after you, force you to take the RMD, pay the taxes on the RMD, and then they were going to levy a 50% penalty. Ouch. Yeah, ouch. So if you had a $10,000 RMD that you didn't take, your penalty's five grand plus your taxes. I hate to say it, but the old adage is true. Fail to plan, plan to fail, right? I mean, it's harsh, but it's true. You need to be able to have these things in mind. You could really be paying for it. That, so, that's right. That's yeah. right. And, and all of this just, just flows through to that distribution phase of planning. And, you know, back in the day when I was studying for my CFP exam, one of the hardest parts of that entire exam, it wasn't the volume of information that I was being tested on, but it was being able to integrate the different pieces together. What changes in, in one aspect could change three or four or five different things. Mm. And that's, and that's how the RMD thing works, right? We know the RMDs are taxable, but it also flows through to those Medicare Part B premiums. It also impacts the taxability of your Social Security. And if you choose to use it this way, it can also impact your legacy planning. 855 mm -hmm. is the number to call, 855-ROSE-123. Let's bring Karen on from Laurel, Maryland. Hello, Karen. What's your question here today for uh, Dina? Hey, good morning, Dean. I just wanted you to briefly review the two factors that you mentioned to calculate what your RMD would be. So factor one was basically taking the balance of your retirement account the previous year on December 31st. I got that part. And then yes. there was a second piece about the life expectancy factor. Then you did some cool calculation. Could you review that one more time? <laughs> sure, Karen. Sure. Thank you for the call. Thanks. So you're exactly right. You. The two the two numbers that you need to calculate an RMD are your IRA or 401k or 403b account balance, December 31 of the previous year, and your life expectancy factor. And what you do with those two numbers is you take that end of the year balance and you divide it by that life expectancy factor. So if your account okay, balance you was $100,000 on December 31st and you're 73 years old this year, you take 100,000, you divide it by 26.5, which is the factor for a 73 year old. And it will give you the, the required I mean. distribution for this year. Oh, thank you so much. That's what I missed. So the factor is just if you're 73, your factor is going to be 26.5. And you mentioned that was going to remain consistent for the next 10 years. That's not going to change into the rule changes uh, about let, when you have to take RMDs. Is that right? Let, let me correct you. Let me correct you, Karen. Okay, that, please. That factor is going to change every single year. 
that factor is okay. going to get a little bit smaller every single year. So using my $100,000 example, if that account stayed exactly at $100,000 forever, your mm -hmm. RMD would actually go up a little bit every single year because that life expectancy factor is getting a little bit smaller every single year. Got that. And you did mention that the first time around, but how do you calculate your life expectancy factor? I think there's a table that you referred to that you go to, right? Y yes, ma'am. It is called the Uniform Life Expectancy Table. Okay. So th there I would be able to take that factor as it changes and determine what it would be when I turn 73. Correct. Oh, man, thank you. I really appreciate that. That's a big thing. And something else I learned this morning that it does affect Medicare, Social Security, IRMA, all that stuff. So you really do, as you said, need to plan ahead so that you're not blindsided or surprised by the tax implications of taking your RMD. So I appreciate that, Dana. Thank you. Thank you for the call. Karen, we appreciate the call today. 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Ike is on the line with us from Maryland. What's your question today for Dina? God bless you all, and thank you for the things that you do. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Nice I'm, on, I'm on SSDI. I make $1,600. Well, Uncle Sam pays me $1,603 a month. Do I have to file taxes, and do I have to pay taxes? Is that your only income? Yes. Do you have taxes withheld? No. Let me do a quick calculation. You said 1601 a month? Oh, three. You may owe a little bit of tax. It won't be much. You're, are you single or are you married? Single right now. That subject's changed at any time. <laughs> okay. Congratulations, I hope. Um, Thank you. Do you have, um, do when you file your taxes, are you itemizing or are you taking a standard deduction? I haven't filed since, since 2017 when they put me out on disability. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So your annual income based on that number that you just gave me, is a little over 19,000. The standard deduction is 13,850. So you would owe taxes. And again, please, please get a, an accountant or, or someone to confirm this math because I'm not an accountant, but I think you would owe taxes on about $5,300. That would put you in the 10% federal income tax bracket. So based on the numbers that you have, what would I have to pay? Well, if you owe, if if you have fifty three hundred of taxable income, ten um, percent is the bottom bracket, somewhere in the ballpark of fifty three. I'm, I'm sorry, five hundred and thirty dollars. Now, oh, okay. again, again, I am not a CPA. I'm doing some some very basic what I call back of the envelope calculations, but I, I do think you would owe a little bit. So, okay. so knowing what you have told me today, I would say, yes, you do need to file. Okay. Well, I appreciate that, ma'am. Yes, sir. I'm happy to help. Glad you were with us today. Thanks for, uh, for the call. Have a great day. 
Thanks. Keep up the good work. All right. God bless. Thank you so much. God bless you. 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE-123. We're rolling down to the last three minutes of our program here, uh, Dina, but it's been fun. It goes so fast. It does. It does. So so we've been talking about a lot of things today. Um, Thing number one. Uh, Congress uh, passed a resolution to kick the debt ceiling can down the road to 2025. So that's off the plate. The market has celebrated. Um, Yay. And by the way, um, the the debt ceiling has been raised over 100 times since World War II. Mm -hmm. Every president has had to deal with it. And it's already been teed up for whomever the next president is. He's going to have to deal with it. He or she. Yeah, there's so, a lot of concern about, about those things. I mean, a lot of people worry about the debt ceiling. They worry about the debt that the the, the government is in. But the serviceable mm-hmm. uh, interest rates on that are not as bad as people really do think, are they? Say that again? The, I didn't catch we're just, we're just paying interest on most of that, and that's not the mm-hmm. – we're not knocking down the, the debt, but it's not, no. uh, not anywhere near our GDP or anything like that. And so we're able to service it, at least at this point. At this point, Yes. Yes. Now, the interest payments on that debt have gone up because interest rates have gone up. It's not as cheap for us to pay as it used to be. True. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's another topic for another day. Yeah, let's let's stay away from that one for now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Spent most of the program talking about required minimum distributions. Those are the distributions you have to take when you reach a certain age in retirement if you have pre-tax money saved up in a 401k, 403b, 457, government thrift savings plan. So my my big point on that, I did a little bit of a math lesson with that, but the big point is plan for those things because the RMDs affect a number of aspects of your financial plan. If you don't have a financial planner that you're working with, we'd love for you mm. to come meet with us. Let us show you how we can help you plan for these things. Last thing, we've got a webinar on beneficiary planning, estate planning. We're bringing in two uh, legal experts to talk us through all of that. It's on June 15th at noon and again at 6 o'clock. Go to RosenthalWealthManagement.com and register. And if you're watching watching us on YouTube, you can use your little QR code there on the screen as well to register. I love that. Technology is grand. It's getting crazy these days, isn't it? (laughs) Well, thanks for being here, Dina. I'm going to see you again next Saturday. Yeah, that's exciting. I'll see you again next week. (laughs) Take care. Appreciate you guys listening today. 855-767-3123 is the phone number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123. 855-ROSE-123. You can call that during the week, too, and there's questions answered at no cost. If you have any questions coming up, again, 855-767-3123. For Josh in the back, who's been answering the phones for us today, and Chris McKay and Dina, have a great week. Catch you next time. Bye, guys.